Welcome to episode 55 of Dating Skills Podcast. I'm Angel Donovan. And today we're looking at an important subject, often ignored, often brushed over, not paid attention to. It's like people like to avoid this, despite the fact that we've been saying ever since we started Dating Skills Review that it's one of the first things and the easiest things to work on if you want to get an impact, if you want to get results quickly with women, if you want to improve your first impression. This is about your image, the visual impression you make even before you open your mouth and you say anything. I know for a fact that most of you hear this and you still go on and focus on other things like attraction, like conversation, like talking and approaching and all of these things. We're going to talk a bit about that today. Why do you do that? Why do you potentially avoid something which is going to be a lot easier to get you some results quickly? The answers may surprise you and I hope they inspire you to take action on it this week, not next. For today's interview, we're talking to Vince Lynn from Seduce With Style. We currently recommend his course as the best place to get on top of this subject. Vince got into the whole area of image, style and fashion as a consequence of getting into pickup artistry. As he was going out to pick up women, he noticed that there was a big visual component to that and it wasn't getting talked about a lot. This soon became his passion, and today it's got to the extent that he's got a career in the fashion industry, and he also does quite a bit of modeling today in California. So this is really an area he's passionate about, and of course, passion is a great thing in a teacher of anything, so it's great to have him on the show. As usual, for the transcript of the interview, links to anything we mention on the show, and more info on Vince and his advice, go to datingskillsreview.com slash DSP. Five. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned, chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step-by-step, episode-by-episode. Hey, Vince, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. That's great. It's, it's, it's kind of funny to hear that you're in San Diego as well. Like I was there that whole time and I didn't know you were there. <laughs> yeah, you didn't invite me out, man. I'm yeah. excited about that. So it happens a lot in this industry. People move around all the time, and so you never know where they're going to be. And sometimes they're right underneath your nose. Anyway, so we like to start the show getting a bit of background on you to find out who you are, and so the audience can relate to you a bit. So what is your background? Like, what did you do before you started doing, getting into the dating advice area and teaching people about this area? I graduated from college in 2004. I graduated when I was really early, so... I was 20 at the time, and I remember I couldn't legally drink on my graduation day. So my friends sneaked some bottles of alcohol, and uh, we had a good time. But uh, I couldn't really go to bars back then. And my only dream at 20 was to work for a management consulting firm, because I was taught that that was the coolest thing to do. (laughs) So I spent a year in doing consulting, and then I realized that the workload was a little crazy. So even though I really enjoyed the strategic aspect of it, I didn't really like the, the amount of work and travel that was involved. So after that, I moved to the Bay Area, and I thought that as a young kid, technology is going to be what's going to change the world and how to make a lot of money. So I spent eight years doing that, 
And in the middle of that, I found like many of the guys did. Some guy who uh, completely stole a girl from me one day. She told me about the game, and uh, I read it. He stole a girl from you in a bar or something? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to this girl, and he just came in and souped her, and pretty much like totally ignored me. I wasn't offended because I was kind of curious at the time. I was like, "How did he do that?" <laughs> so he actually came back, and he he came back and talked to me. He's like, "Hey, man, listen. I know what it feels like, and check out this book, The Game." I thought it was about basketball or something, but anyway, I I, I ordered it on Amazon, and since I read it, everything changed and. I started going out with the guys in the San Francisco layer. This was back in 2007. That's when I started getting into getting good with women because like everything else was taken care of. I had a good education. I had offers from from tech firms, and even then, I wasn't getting the results I wanted with girls. And so, to me, that was just a big area. So, I think I was 23 at the time, and I decided to dedicate like for the next five years. I was learning pickup. When I was not working at the office, I was learning pickup. And then, somewhere in between that, I got into the fashion world. I started researching about it. I started looking into it, and、uh, I was always fascinated by it. But I never really made a career jump because I needed my green card. So I kept on working at several of the large tech companies until I, that happened. And then a year ago, I moved to San Diego, and that's when I got into more like my. I got more in tune with what I was passionate about because now I had my green card. I didn't have to work in technology anymore. But I'm grateful for the skills I have in technology, and then it was fun to be in fashion and. Even though technology paid the bills, I wanted to be in entertainment and fashion. So that's the direction I'm going in now. Great, great. How old are you? Thirty. This could be a complicated question. How many dates have you had in your life? How many dates? I, how do you even count that? Well, like you know, the times you went out with a girl that you'd met before, a girl you had her number and you followed up, and you met her some other time. So any time you went out and. Oh, no, you know, it's a date scenario. These days, we don't really call them dates. It could be a coffee or anything. But you just went and did something with a girl. Let's say on average, because it oscillates so much depending on the, what you're focusing on. Let's say on average, every month you have, let's say, three dates. Then every year you would have thirty-six dates multiplied by ten years. That would be three hundred sixty. Spoken like a true management consultant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doing the sums I mean, in the back. How many golf balls can you fit in an airplane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is the first time we've had that, by the way. Cool.、Yeah, how many days have you been on, man? Oh, dude, thousands. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. You know, I got into it a bit earlier than you, so. I have the online dating thing sorted out, and I listened to your online dating podcast, which I thought was great, and the guy really had it down. What he's doing as a business, I actually figured out for myself too. Like I have certain messages and templates, and I serve certain sites, and I tailor my profile to a certain site, and I have a virtual assistant that handles all that. Once you have that set up, you can pretty much get two to three dates a week if you wanted. And then it becomes an issue of time management. Just really quickly, like those of you who listened to the last podcast, like the whole online dating scene, you got to look at the supply and demand of the market. Girls get bombarded. Any decent, halfway decent looking girl gets like a hundred messages her first week. It's all inversely related. There was one girl I was speaking to in San Diego when I was there. She had one thousand three hundred on her first. She didn't check in for the first three days or something. She logged in after she'd signed up, and she was just like, "What? That's incredible." Yeah, that's mind blowing. It's crazy. Yeah, I have some、uh, female model friends that, and even if they sign up for an online dating site, even if they didn't check it, they get harassed on the street. They get harassed on Facebook. They get harassed on Instagram. The amount of like 
the request is crazy, right? It's ridiculous. And then we tested a guy model profile on Tinder and on Match.com and nowhere near the response rate of a hot girl. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So we realized that if you send messages that are tailored a certain way that one, are sent off from the crowd, which actually isn't that hard because most people don't know how to write messages. And then two, if you can scale that out. So we wrote an application that auto-like Tinder profiles. <laughs> and uh, once you can scale out, and then you can have certain message templates, once you can scale out your message sending and you have a profile that's somewhat attractive, you can reverse that relationship. And so what happens is you outsource the admin work for $2 an hour, and then every week you'll have probably 20 messages back. And of those 20 messages, you can probably get five dates, right? So then it becomes you're leveraging your time to a virtual assistant somewhere in the Philippines or India, and then now you have you can respond to the girls that actually are interested in you and have somewhat of a commitment by messaging back. Yeah, man, it's a completely different approach to dating, of course. But guys make it work for different reasons as well. And that was a pretty interesting episode I found as well. So just to take a step back to give guys a bit of context on my answer, which was like and I'm like thousands of dates, was um, that when I when I was in this 2001 till about 2005, there was some weeks I was going out to clubs six days, seven days a week. And during the day, I also had a company training people in pickup. And when you do that, you're working, but you meet all these girls in the clubs at the same time. So I just had all these dates during the week. And I didn't, you know, sometimes I was meeting a couple of girls, three girls a day. It was just really messy for a few years there. So, and a lot of it wasn't like serious either. Like a lot of the time, I don't know, we weren't taking it too seriously. At time, just meeting girls and not necessarily meet or take it any further from there. We were, me and my buddies were kind of all into the personal development and the learning thing as well. So, and because we had the business, I guess, in training, um, it kind of put up a different perspective on, on what we were doing. So, did you like the girls that you went out with? I was uh, totally not in the mode of being serious or anything with any girls. And I had a few girlfriends at the time. So, I was kind of happy with those girlfriends. And I didn't really find, I didn't meet girls that I was more interested in than the ones I was seeing. So that was like, I would kind of go on dates, but none of those would get, <laughs> make it to being a more serious relationship or anything after that. That's a quality problem, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was a different lifestyle back then. I don't do that. I haven't been doing that for quite a long time as well. But that's another story. So anyway, that's like a bit of context for that answer. So guys don't get confused about that. It's not a lifestyle everyone would want at all. It was pretty extreme. And in some ways I felt some of that time was wasted afterwards. Yeah, if you have a path in life and you have, you're on your journey, if you go on dates with people that you don't actually like, it's a waste of your time. And at the end of the day, you feel like you've been cheated out of your time. <laughs> yeah, well, at the end of the day, you realize time's everything. So yeah, you become a lot more careful with whom you spend your time, with what you do your time, what you do with your time, and so on. In the beginning, you just want to get a date. And then as you progress, you're like, okay, I need to filter my dates to girls that I actually will, yeah. will have a connection with or I actually like. Right. I think the other part that's missing actually of my answer is that back in 2001, when I started, there wasn't a lot of information out there. There was a lot of discovery going on and it was a lot more interesting to me from a personal development and self growth area. It wasn't like I was reading people's books or anything. Um, we were going out and we were learning stuff and, you know, maybe some people like mystery were and, and some of the other guys were posting stuff in forums or their books to read, but more in terms of just like general self development or other books we were taking and trying to apply and stuff. So it was more. It was a completely different journey compared to the journey that people take today, which was more like a self-exploratory. So that was probably why I spent so much more time in it as well. And it stayed interesting because it was all a mystery still. There wasn't anything written down about it. So I kind of felt like I was discovering new things. Anyway. Yeah, it was a mystery before mystery. 
Right, right. Anyway, so how many relationships have you had or been in? Or is that something that you do? Serious relationships, you mean? Like a girlfriend? Well, let's say three months or longer. What would you consider a relationship? In my mind, I've had three serious relationships. I don't know if you want me to go into them, but yeah, they've lasted. Yeah, just a quick overview. How long were they? And were you exclusive, non-exclusive? I've always been exclusive. My first relationship was about a year. That was a girl that the first girl I really liked after I got into, I learned like I was learning how to pick up girls and just getting more successful with women. I stayed with her for a year. And then the second one was eight months. She really loved me, but I thought I did at the time, but I didn't. I realized later on that I loved her, but not in a way where I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. The last one I, I really fell in love with, and unfortunately, she loved me too, but she, there was a difference in our lifestyle and her, specifically re- related to religion. And so those are my three relationships so far. And I would say up until the last one, I didn't really know what it was like to completely commit to the person and to be in love with them unconditionally. And so you develop, we developed uh, subconsciously this shield that needs to be had and pick up because you're talking to so many people and you just don't know how someone's going to respond. You're doing cold approach pickup. You have to have, in order to be that type of player, you have to have a psychic shield up to your vulnerabilities. Otherwise, you would just get destroyed. So I realized I had that shield and she was the first person that was able to call my BS and break down that shield. So for the first time, I was very vulnerable and uh, it was nice to be able to realize that I was capable of that kind of love. And so for me, it was a learning experience. Even though it was very painful, it was a great learning experience. And then I realized that a lot of the guys who study how to succeed with women, ironically, don't have that ability or they have the ability, but they don't know how to um, tap into it. That's the dark side of game. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a place where many guys get stuck. Most guys just want, honestly, a lot of guys I talk to and I've coached and hung out with many of the people in our industry. Most guys just want a girl of their choice that they can fall deeply in love with. And I think that that is a, one of the most rewarding experiences of this life. And you'd be lucky to find someone who could love you back the same way. Yeah, I think what happens is, I think we covered this on our podcast, but people get a little bit distracted by the other guys in the communities, in, in the forums, and the, the ego gets in the way a bit. That's why some guys turn into players, which weren't really des- they weren't destined to become a player. They first found out about this stuff and they thought, great, great, because I'm not getting into any relationship with the kind of girl I want to be with or I'm not getting any luck with girls. And so they're like, yeah, great, I'll learn about this. But then they start to kind of get distracted and they start becoming a player, which isn't always like, there are some guys I think are kind of destined for that anyway, because they're on a different level biologically and just mentally. But there's many guys, like you said, like the majority who aren't destined for that, but sometimes they get pushed that way because of distraction. Yeah, and I would tell like younger guys who are doing this, I know they ask me sometimes for advice and I would say, chart out your own goal. Don't get stuck with the goals of other people. Some people are built that way. They like to have sex a lot and they like having sex with different people. And by all means, that's fine. You should focus on your ability to get the girls that you want. And if you like a girl and you see nothing wrong with her, keep dating her. You can always come back. Like the knowledge is always there. You can always come back and relearn this stuff. We're not like back in 2001 where the information was available. Now, a lot of people know how to come up with a process to build up these skills to meet women. And so you can spend time in a relationship to see if you really love this girl and you can always come back and relearn game. On the other hand, if you decide to just learn game and you want to spend a year doing it, that's fine too. But just know that, be aware and be honest about with your communication with the girls that you're dating that this is your priority, so to speak, so she doesn't get let on, especially older girls. Because they have, they have more of a biological clock than we do. And I didn't 
really appreciate that. Now that I'm 30, because I was always a young kid, now that I'm 30, I'm a little bit more cognizant of like if a girl's turning 30 or she's like in her late 20s, I don't waste her time too much. Right. Well said. How many girls have you slept with to date? <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't talk about it, but enough to know what I would be missing if I got married. I've probably slept with all the type of girls I really wanted to sleep with. And it's been nice. It's been a good journey. But sex to me is not as important as it used to be. So let's just put it that way. Good. Good answer. What's your dating and relationship lifestyle like today? Right now I'm dating to get married. I want to have a family and kids. And it took me a while to admit that to myself, and especially when you're considered like someone who's been doing pickup and other people like ask you for advice and stuff. You're almost not supposed to say that. But I think, yeah, I think that's my goal. And so for me, to acquire the skill set to be able to choose the girl that I want is a very, can be a no, very noble thing to do. Right now, I probably go on, I try to do one date or two dates a week if possible. Some weeks I'll be working too much and, or I'll be hanging out with friends and I'll skip that. If I'm working a lot, usually my dates come from online. If I'm not working that much and I have time to go out, then I'll have numbers from going out. And I also have access to, if I go to a fashion show, usually I'll get a few contacts from the girls there. And so we end up being friends or we end up hanging out. A lot of the model girls, I, I try to, because I'm in the industry, we try to just be friends and see how it goes. And for female models and some of the male models too, like they have so many options. For them, it's not about just getting laid. For them, it's about like finding someone who uh, adds more value than just sex. And so a lot of female models, if you want to date them, you actually have to hang out with them for a bit and get to know them. Now, sometimes they just want to date, right? But for the most part, they have their pick of the litter. So um, yeah, so hanging out with female models, going on dates, and um, sometimes meeting people um, through a cold approach. I try to stay sharp. Um, try to go out once a week for cold approach, but sometimes, sometimes I don't have time, but, but I enjoy the process. Like for me, it's fun. Cool. Excellent. So, so you're looking for that one important relationship, basically? I think so, yeah. The girls I'm dating now, I tell them, well, I don't tell them directly, but I'm, I'm very honest with my intent. And I, I don't call them too much if I don't have to. But I know what it feels like not to find like the girl you really love like from my last relationship. So I'm, I'm looking for that in, in my future relationships. And so that's, that's going to be my goal going forward. Okay, let's get into today's topic, which is all about style and image. We got you on here because you're one of the few pickup artists who really looked at that subject in depth. You got your book about it. Most of the guys like talk about it a bit, but they haven't gone into as much depth and they have, certainly haven't you know, written like specific books about the topic. Yeah. Let's give the audience a clear idea of what we're talking about, though. What is style? What is image? If you think about style, a lot of guys have either have no conception of what style means or they may have an interpretation of style based on what they've read from GQ or maybe what they've seen on TV. For me, style is, the, is a superpower, so to speak. You can use style to represent who you are as a person. And let me just back up a bit and give you some context. For me, before I got into pickup, I was so fascinated with the modeling industry. And when I was little, I'm, I'm very tall. I'm Taiwanese and I'm 6'2". When I was in high school, people were like, oh, Rich, you're really skinny, but if you actually worked out, you would, you would have a good frame. And I always had a good frame, and I always wondered like, what it would be like to be a model. But I never really pursued it. So I was always in, I kind of a nerd and studied a lot, and I went that direction. And for me, when I, even when I was only pickup, in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, is it true that looks don't matter? But what about all these other things I'm hearing about? Or like, well, how does it work in the modeling world? Like, do they have game? Or 
how can looks not matter? And so then, then that became my burning question I was trying to answer. And I was trying to answer that for a few years while I was learning game. But while I was learning game, I, I put that aside. I'm like, okay, your looks don't matter. That's one of the holy um, sacred cows in, in the community. So I put that aside for a while. A few years passed and I'm like, okay, no, I think your looks do matter. Not in the way that most people think. Conventional good looks, but related, but more so your style and how you come across. And I think to me, style is like being aware of how you're coming across to people in your day-to-day interactions, much like a gamer's avatar affects his in-game interactions, right? You have the ability to express who you are in an instant, within three seconds. The same way we look at a hot chick and say she's hot, you can have a guy can have a good sense of style and be, to have the same power that a super hot girl has when she walks by. And to me, that was fascinating. To me, that was like, oh, you can actually take that power that women have and reverse it for guys. And, and how do you do that? And so that became my whole motivation for writing Seduce with Style. Great, man. I think that's a good overview. One of the other ways I was also thinking about it, it's, um, it's a little bit tribal as well. If you kind of think back, you know, different tribes, they see each other. Like I think San Diego is a pretty good example of that because there's different communities there where you know you have the surfers, you have people who are a bit more professional and you have like the military. You have all of these different communities there. Like I saw that they know each other. They can see each other coming far away and they dress differently and they have different style and so on. So it's also this kind of connection point. Like you're saying, like you're going to communicate something really directly and it's whether you fit in or not. While we're talking about this subject today, I think like one of the most the important things is you don't want to communicate with your style that you're not relevant to the, say, the girl that you're interested in. Right? You don't want to be communicating things that she's going to be like, oh, he's not within my community, he's not relevant to me because of the way he's dressing. Yeah, it's an interesting paradox here about the, the tribe culture you talk about. On one hand, everyone wants to belong to a tribe. So in essence, if you have a uniform on, if you're with a group of sailors, like that is your tribe, right? There is an inherent demonstration of higher value coming from an elite tribe. On the other hand, you also want to dress in a way that makes you stand out. And so that's the dichotomy here. That's one of the subtleties of style. So how do you dress like you're from a cool tribe? And how do you stand out from that tribe? Within the tribe, there's the king, the bishop, the knight. And now all of them have different style cues, uh, communicates their role within their communities. And then the question becomes, what type of person are you? What kind of tribe do you want to come from? And then within that tribe, what is your position? Those kind of the three things you want to think about. Let me give you a quick example. Let's say there are a lot of tech startups in San Diego. So let's say you're a, you're a tech startup firm and you're the CEO of that firm. On one hand, you don't dress too suit and tie because then you would be considered a lawyer or someone who's a little bit more straight. On the other hand, you're also part of a startup, so you want to be cool and hip and a little bit young. So how, do you, how does that CEO dress to communicate who he is? He could wear dark jeans with a dress shirt. He could still style his hair a little bit more cool. But at the same time, he doesn't want to be too unconventional because he's still spending his time in an office. So you can leverage like best of both worlds, a little bit more edgy rockers, but you still have the corporate collared shirt and maybe, you know, roll up sleeves and maybe a tattoo or two. But you still have you. So you basically have like you're leveraging off like the coolness of your ability to stand out from the crowd, but also you're still in a way in business. And so that's one way you can represent who you are to the best of your ability. Guy who's in the military. You might think that um, a lot of guys in San Diego, you can tell from a mile away, they're, they're like in the military. But it'd be cool to see a jacked up guy, you know, maybe with a collar shirt and a tie that's loosely, that's not tied all the way. It's like a loose tie. He's fashionable. He's showing versatility. And you can tell from his build that he's probably someone who's really well-trained physically. 
that adds a little bit more dichotomy to uh, to the person's look, and it also adds a story behind it. So people start asking, "Wait, this guy's built like a bodybuilder, but he's dressed like a businessman. What's his story? I want to get to know more about him." And so that becomes another conversation thread that you can follow when he's out with among people that may not know him. Right. Yeah, that makes it really pretty clear. I just know dating skills review. We've uh, always recommended that guys work on their image and their style is the first priority. It's the first thing we say they should do. But I have this deep suspicion, in fact, I know that most guys ignore us and they don't work on that first. So I'm wondering, I've always wondered, and I know that you've been working in this area for a while, do you see the same thing? Do you see guys aren't as interested in working on their image or their style on this aspect? And do you have ideas on why that might be? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I can tell you from firsthand experience with my clients that it's a very tough subject because in a human's mind, their look is so integrated with their identity as a person, especially in a Western society. So when you are giving someone feedback on the way they dress or the way they look, it hurts their ego a little bit. And it's hard for someone to admit, even for myself at the time, a long time ago to say, okay, I don't look as cool as I, or like there's something I need to change about my look, or maybe something there's something wrong about the message I'm communicating with my look. And so because it's such a personal subject, it's really difficult for guys to admit that. I see a lot of guys, I met this one guy who uh, said, uh, I don't want to change my style because I just want to learn game. I just want to learn game. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, game, your, your style is your game. It is part of your game, but it's an absolutely essential part, a core component of, of your game. And so then you got to ask the question, like, what is game? Like, if you define game is the outer expression of your inner personality, according to RSD. And so your style is the physical representation of your personal quirks and personality. So it's directly related. Like, your style and game are, the, to me, it's the same thing. I was at a uh, plastic surgeon's office, and I remember um, talking to him about uh, nose. The way he went about it, just the way he talked about it, was so neutral. Like he was looking at someone's nose, like scientifically. Here's three centimeters, da, 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 da. and then we were talking about my nose, and I'm like, "Hey, doc, I'm a little bit uh, sensitive about this." And he's like, "Why are you sensitive about this? It just, it's just cartilage and skin." <laughs> so, and I realized later on, dude, to him, he doesn't care uh, what kind of person you are. He's looking at the metrics are standardized for symmetry and beauty on, on your facial skeletal structure. Like to him, that's like, it's science. We take it so personally, like we all have a big nose, have a big forehead, but to, to this doctor, he was um, one of the best um, doctors in, in what he does. And to him, it was just scientific. How do you match a certain shape and size at this angle to have the best proportions and, and look? And, and to me, that's like the same way you should view your style. How do I dress in a certain way that I can control that comes across to other people? Like I, I can communicate my message now. You have your own billboard. You have your own ad space. You can put the type of ad you want on there every single day when you walk out. So what kind of ad do you want? And uh, don't take it personally, man, because like everything else you're learning, this is uh, a skill set. And if you remove your ego from the equation, that's when you start to be able to have more adaptability and flexibility to um, the power that you can have through your style. So. A lot of clients, the first step of me working with them is their, their willingness to change because otherwise you run into um, the ego's defenses and, and it's really hard to uh, get around that when people don't realize that's, that's what's happening. So I don't take on clients that come to me. I don't give style advice to my friends <laughs> unless they ask. Well, even when they ask for it, I'm like, are you sure? Are you positive? Do you want honest feedback and, and advice about your dress, um, the way you dress? And until they say yes, I, I don't really give them any feedback or recommendations whatsoever same thing with game too but with style in particular people are a little bit more 
they see it as a personal thing. So they see it as more personal. I mean, you've been looking in the mirror for 20 years or 25 years, and it's not just your features. You're talking about plastic surgery and your actual identity in terms of your facial features and so on. Obviously, that's that's really important. But also the way you've been dressing. If you've been dressing for 25 years, and if you've been within your tribe, your community, whatever that is, and you're dressing the same as wherever you grew up, in your friends and everything like that, you can see how that's really deeply embedded in your psyche, that identity, who you are, and the clothes you wear and, and everything. They're an extension of how you look, and you've been looking in the mirror. It's who you are. It's how you see yourself. So I think you're completely right. It's like They have to kind of smash down this identity, which could have been around for a very long time, 20, 30 years, maybe longer if they're older. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and you got to keep in mind the other thing that is that um, your friends, while they may be supportive, to them it's uncomfortable, especially if you have friends that are not in self-development or may not be as ambitious as you are. They will feel some uncomfort in your new change. And so they may even support you, but there may be some another dark side, which is they, they feel more uncomfortable with a new you. And you may get resistance, especially in the beginning when you don't get, if you don't have a coach, some especially pickup artists may dress a little funny, like they go overboard and then they calibrate. (laughs) So the guy who gets into this will be like, have like 10 accessories. And then a year later you see him and he's more calibrated, but like, you know, he has to go overboard because he doesn't have anyone coaching him otherwise. Right. So you can get a lot of negative feedback from your friends, even your family or people that you work with. And so that's another barrier. But again, anything that you do in life, that is going to be unconventional, even your friends who support you on the surface, the human psyche is weird. Like in a way, it's like if someone lost weight or if someone changed their appearance or if a model went from long hair to short hair, there's a lot of resistance there for people, for change, for people to accept that change. And so that's something you got to burrow through. But you remember, at the end of the day, they're not you and they don't live your life. And so you have to like be brave enough to chart that course and um, don't, don't worry so much about peer pressure. Um, of course, that's one of the obstacles you'll face. But as with anything in life, anything that you do that's going to be substantially different, you will have to go through the social pressure that accompanies. Yeah. Well, talking about it this way, I think it makes it easier for guys because once you realize you're going to get this little bit of resistance, but it's not because of you. Your buddies are going to tease you about the new t-shirts or shirts or whatever you're doing that's different. But it's more because it's about their discomfort rather than yours. So once you've heard this, once you kind of understand that, it makes it a lot easier, I think, for the guys to take that step and not get knocked back and like, oh, I put this new shirt on, I got teased, so I stopped wearing it and then I gave up and I didn't try that again. Yeah, you're gonna dress better. I, you're gonna dress better. I have, I have clients and guys who started getting compliments from girls and then their friends almost resented them for, I'm not resented, that's a strong word. I would say they were curious about the new responses that the new guy was getting now that he was dressed better. And some of them are cool. Some of them are like, hey man, I wanna learn too. Or some of them are more like, um, okay, that's cool, whatever. And then they ignore it, right? And go back to their normal life. But uh, yeah, man, you're going to get strong responses. Like, especially from like, keep in mind, like Silicon Valley, especially the South Bay, you can see a sea of engineers in in most cafeterias, even at Google. And it's just like, okay, these guys, this guy's a nerd, this guy's a nerd. (laughs) He might be the best search quality programmer at Google, but like, I'm not going to fuck him, right? (laughs) So, and these are coming from my girlfriends, not from me. So then you take this guy who's pretty smart already, and you get them like a pretty cool style, then suddenly it's like, whoa, who is this guy? The change can be quite drastic in the valley. In, in San Diego, I think the guys are more in shape. They tend to have um, a little bit more style, I think. And so it's not as drastic, but then you got to focus more on the subtleties of, of your style and how you can get people to ask you questions or how you can start conversations 
more smoothly. And so um, there's less of a drastic change here. But definitely in the Valley, I think a lot of guys um, need help with their image. So, so another point I was thinking about that guys may be resisting this for, it could be a little overwhelming in terms of it's just confusing. What is style? What makes it good? Because it also changes. Like we were just talking before we started this interview, how we both spend a bit of time in the fashion industry and fashion changes every year. It has to, to make money. <laughs> you know, that's the game. So how does a guy who hasn't got any experience with making an effort to figure out fashion and what he's going to wear and how does he come into that world and figure out, oh, this is the direction I should go. This is something I should wear because it is pretty confusing, right? It's changing all the time. And you could see how that could be confusing and overwhelming for someone and be like, oh, I'm not sure where to start rather than, oh, I'll just start here. Yeah, totally. So you can buy my book. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know how there's a lot of financial magazines and financial publications that give you stock advice? But if you really dive into the world of stocks, there's two extremes. One is George Soros, who day trades, and he has a philosophy on how he does that with against the tide and with the tide. And then there's Warren Buffett, who is a long-term value investor. And Warren Buffett's book, he recommends a value investor by Benjamin Graham. And um, that's probably one of his gospels, right? If you actually read The Value Investor, you'll understand the concepts of stock investing at its principle, at the basic. And that hasn't changed for the last 100 years. Yeah, stock tips, stock tips, and oh, which program to use, that changes day to day. But the fundamental principles of value investing that has been relatively the same. And Warren Buffett has been able to leverage those principles to become one of the richest guys in the world. The same goes for style too. GQ, Esquire, all these things may have style tips, but if you look at the core principles of style, they've been the same throughout millennia. So in the book, I talk about style attraction switches, which is um, play on mysteries, attraction switches, but for style. And then I looked at the core components of um, what makes the guy stylish, irrespective of the fashion trend. These are the underlying rules for style that's going to make you more attractive to women, specifically more attractive to women. There are other underlying rules for like status and making more money, but these particularly are related to attraction with women or success with women. The first one is dominance. A lot of people mistaken dominance for really, really powerful, but really all you have to show with your dominance is your ability to lead or your ability to take control of a situation. So how do you express dominance in your style? You could have a very small detail, like just the ability to have like clean shoes can show dominance. It shows that you're careful, you pay attention to the little details. Um, having a properly fitted jacket can show dominance. A suit has, has been, the basic structure of a suit has been the same for the last 50 years. How do these demonstrate dominance? For example, so if you wear something that stands out a little bit from the crowd, is that dominance? So a suit shows dominance because it represents an elite class of, uh, of workers. So a suit shows that this person has got enough money to buy a suit, although you don't need that much money to buy it nice if you know where to go. A guy with sunglasses will show more dominance because you can't see his eyes, so you don't know what he's thinking. And if he has a pair of shades on that are dark, that shows more dominance. A guy with a tattoo on his left arm shows more dominance because our tribal brains are wired to respond to certain symbols. And so these are traits that show dominance. Um, if you take a guy that's really buff and muscular, he doesn't need more dominance because of his physical stature. So you have to take into account the client. And, and so if he's really tall already, that, that height automatically triggers a certain response from women. In that sense, you have to tone it down a bit, actually. But for guys who are a little bit more nerdy, you want to increase your level of dominance because that's what creates attraction. 
too much dominance actually makes the woman more afraid and intimidated. And so depending on the guy I'm working with, dominance is one dimension that I need to focus on, they need to control. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. The iTunes rank of the show is critical for getting the best guests onto the show. Ranking is largely determined by subscriber count, so more subscribers means better guests. Also, if you've already subscribed, then please leave a rating and review. This also helps increase the iTunes rank. Help me make this podcast the best resource possible for you. To subscribe or rate with one click, go to datingskillsreview.com slash iTunes. So what would be the simplest thing that someone like, I think the majority of guys would need to be a bit more dominant, which is also, if you think about it, it's like being more confident, being more expressive, like, you know, more yeah. dominant behaviors. What, what yeah. would be a little tip that they could take home and just make themselves that little bit more stylishly dominant? Yeah, that's a good question. If you ever watch Californication and right. Hank Moody, the character, um, you'll notice sometimes he wears a little black bracelet and his clothes are always fitted. And this guy is like in a black shirt and jeans, okay? It's not that complicated, but he always... Um, He's always wearing the same ones, right? Yeah, it's like the same <laughs> For shirt. For how many seasons now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then sometimes when you wear his, his, his black, um, I think it's a bracelet or um, a leather bracelet, he, uh, there's this more dominance to him. I've noticed that guys who um, accessorize like with a tribal bracelet or maybe even if you have the money, a watch on their wrist, like that's a little bit more. Watch is more like shows them elite, eliteness, but a leather bracelet, I think, has to do with like our hunting days or something. It just shows that's immediately gives you a little bit more of a dominant look. Your hair, easily, you can spike it and just have a more alternative like more hardcore look. Not everyone is into tattoos, but if you are, you can get a tattoo that's well designed and properly placed. It could actually add a lot of dominance to your look as well. Yeah, that's a big commitment there. And it sounds like to me, the way you're talking about dominance is that the more decided you are on how you're gonna express yourself, the more dominant you are, right? A tattoo is a big statement. You put something on your arm permanently. So you chose something that you're gonna put on your arm permanently. And in a way that effort to say, this is who I am, this is how I'm going to express myself. That's a dominant move. Right, because it shows you as a, you made a decision. You're a decision maker. I don't know anything about you, but this person has dedicated a pain and time in his life to get that. Also, I think it's, it's also to do with um, our evolution. I think that um, tattoos show that your, your ability to regenerate or heal from a battle wound. And so some unconscious reason, it's more like girls find certain place tattoos more attractive. Obviously, don't go overboard. With everything else, you can go overboard. Or even piercings, like I know earrings are not so in these days, but a guy who has a certain piercing tends to stand out a little bit more. Uh, again, it's more of a commitment, but that you can always remove if you want to, or you can get fake earrings to see how it would look first before you commit to it. So it sounds like the easiest thing would be some some small bracelet or something, which just is a bit of a statement about you, about your choice, and which is a little bit different. Yeah, totally. Again, these are all related. So you got to look at the guy and be like, okay, your clothes aren't fitted. It doesn't matter if you have a bracelet. You need to fit your clothes first. And like, right. Let's talk about the fit of, because it's, I mean, that's key. Your clothes have to fit. Why do they have to fit? Most guys probably think that their clothes already fit. I think that's half the um, issue. If I think back to my days before I got into all of this, I was wearing clothes and I thought they fitted. <laughs> but I look back at those photos and I cringe. It's, it's really bad. Years later, when you see what, what really just fits on, fits on your body naturally. But that isn't necessarily when I'm in the States. When I was in the States, uh, San Diego is a little bit of a reception. I think people tend to wear more fitted clothes there. But in other areas, like when you're on the East Coast, uh, most people are not wearing fitted clothes at all. And in fact, 
when I go, I mean, I remember actually going into the stores, it's difficult for me to get clothes that fit in the States. I'm not a big guy and I even end up getting the small sizes and I don't feel like they fit. I'm just like, this isn't, this is too big for me. It just looks silly. Yeah, I'm like that too. I'm, I'm 6'2 and I have really long arms and I'm really skinny for my height. So actually when I buy jackets from like Zara, I get medium sized, even though I'm 6'2 because of my body frame. So yeah, why is fit important? <laughs> because uh, it's along the same lines we've been talking about. It's just expression. Are you hiding inside your clothes because they're too big? You can't see the definition. You can't see what's going on when you're wearing something baggy and it doesn't really fit. But as soon as you get something that fits, you can see the contour of your body. You can see exactly how it is. You're, you're expressing yourself more. You're just showing yourself for what you are rather than kind of hiding it. Totally. I wouldn't go as, as much to say like if you – because if you're not fit, it just looks retarded. <laughs> like it just, it just looks weird. And for some reason, girls learn this when they're like five, like playing with Barbies. <laughs> but for guys – we were playing with robots and we don't know like dinosaurs and we don't know what fits, right? So, right. So just to make clear, this is super common. I don't know what percentage, but it's like 90% of guys don't have clothes that fit these days. Yeah, I would say depending on the city you live in, but on average in the United States, um, probably like over at least half, I would say more than 50% of guys have clothes that are a little bit too big, at least an inch too big for their actual size. You got to... Obviously, the tailor is great. In modeling, we learn about your chest range, your inseam, your waist size. Those, the, the reason to measure those three things is because the designer, when they design their clothes, those are the three metrics that allow them to know the contour of your body. So in other words, like those are the fitting points of your body. And whenever a model goes in and they don't have a, a gown for her, the way they pin their clothes, those are the points they pin it at, right behind your back, at your waistline, at your chest line, and at your waistline. So... Get measured if you have an unconventional body. And a lot of people do because we're mass producing textiles, right? It's not weird to ask for um, customization of clothes after you buy it with a tailor. A guy who's fitted, it just like, he seems to have more social intelligence. Like, okay, this guy gets it, right? He has clothes that are that are probably matching his, his body contour and they just look so much better. Um, I think a picture speaks a thousand words. If you go on Seducing with Style and just type in fit on the search bar, you'll see pictures of before and after of guys who have fitted clothes versus unfitted. And you can see how much of a big difference that makes. I think this is a really easy point because guys can just look at the movies. Not the stars in the movies are getting dressed with badly fitting clothes. They all get very good fitting clothes. I can't remember the last time, unless it's for a specific role, right? But if we're talking if he's like the cool guy in the film or he's the hero or whatever, he's going to have well-fitted costume. It's not going to be like Superman skin tight, but it's going to be cool. You know what's a good movie? What's that movie with uh, Ryan Gosling and um, Steve Carell? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. 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 Ryan Gosling is playing this like player guy and Steve Carell is like this loser dude who, who uh, his wife cheated on him or something. And anyway, if you look at at one point, there's a scene in the movie where um, he throws his shoes away in the mall and he's like, are you Steve Jobs? If you're not Steve Jobs, you shouldn't be wearing New Balance sneakers. Like, and then you can see their style and Steve Carell's character is like, it's not fitted. It's like his shirt is too big. His pants are too big. And then you have Ryan Gosling in his suit that's like perfectly fitted. And I think that's a really good contrast. Like that scene is like the perfect representation of like fit. So what would be your, like you said you had, a, I think it was eight, eight different points uh, you typically cover. What would be your like second biggest one? All right. Yeah. So real quick, or maybe we can, if you want to have questions, we can dive into it. The second one is um, identified as um, a display of eliteness. And so in every single culture, there is um, in a certain tribe, there are certain symbols that are worn by the people that are highest in that tribe's hierarchy. 
much like a king or a knight might have a certain insignia, much like a lieutenant who has um, awards for his uh, war efforts. Like there are certain symbols that show. Number one, you're from a tribe that's considered elite in the community, and number two, you are of high status in that tribe. And so I started thinking about what are some of the signals for、um, eliteness, and there are two things that this shows. It shows your social alignment, and also shows your level of intelligence within that within that social circle. All right. Let's take a quick step back. Social alignment. What what does that mean? Why do women find men in uniforms attractive? Why do why are firefighter calendars selling out so much? <laughs> They represent a certain social alignment. A guy who is、um, dressed in a business suit, he must be associated with lawyers and other people who have money, or most likely, the, your social alignment represents the group that you hang out with and the access that she will have if she mates with you. This is just speaking on a evolutionary biology level. So. How do you represent your social alignments through the things you wear? Is one big topic. Okay, so it's like you, which group you belong to. Yeah, which group you're associated with. You could be a guy on a horse, and you're just taking a horseback lesson. But chances are, you probably know other people who own stables and have access to stables, and you probably have enough le- leisure time and money to be able to ride horses. Little things like that. We see a lot of marine uniforms in in San Diego. It's like, why is the Zamika guy attractive?、Um, he represents a A group of people that have been through a rigorous training program and knows how to protect themselves, things like that. Back in the valley, eliteness might be、uh, being a hippie on Hayden Ashbury, you know, like having those、uh, Alibali glasses. It's just like every single culture, there's there's a group of people that are considered cool or maybe considered more outlandish and、um, represents that. I have a tie that has fraternity label on it, and、uh, it's purple. And every time I wear that tie, people ask me what the symbol means. And really, it just it was just a design symbol from the designer. But that's why like frat、um, symbols look so elaborate, right? It's like, oh, where, what frat is that? Where are you from? Delta Sigma. What? It's like it always shows like if you can wear something that represents or communicates kind of the social groups you hang out with, then that's a plus. One last example is、um, models that show up on set. Usually, you have to show up on set for girls a little bit earlier because they have a lot more makeup and hair to do. But you'll see like models and the guys and girls who've been in the industry for a long time. They have a certain model uniform. <laughs> it's like they always have a beanie on, they always have a white beater on, and they always have headphones or like a book or no, no, no. They don't read. Models don't read that much. They always have like <laughs> their phone or whatever, and they don't. They just seem like they don't care. It's like, oh, I'm here. I'm waiting. I've done this a thousand times. And those are usually the models that've been in the industry for a long time. And so even then, it's like, oh, this guy, this person's a model because they're dressed like they're dressed good, but then they dress like they're about to change or like they they're ready to put on another outfit or something like that. Little subtleties like this like shows eliteness, and eliteness changes depending on the culture and the city that you're in.、The、third one is access to resources. This one is doesn't have to be like I have a lot of money, I drive a Porsche, but more like、um, I I know how to buy a nice suit. Just like that knowledge itself represents. Shows that you probably come from a good family, or you've been trained to be a gentleman, so to speak. A little bit more great expectation-ish. Clean cut is another one. Clean cut is a style attraction switch, which is your ability to take care of yourself. And I think George Clooney represents this really well.、Um, keeping your hair in check, having your your hair done,、um, having proper being properly groomed, having your nails done—all these little things, little details add up. And that's an interesting one because you often hear. Women talk about that one. I think if she's going to complain about something on a date, it might be that this guy, yeah, dirty fingernails. It's like these tiny little details that guys don't normally think about,、uh, like really don't even notice. And when you hear girls talking to each other about like a bad date or something, and or the guy didn't turn out 
they say, say it was an online date or something and he didn't turn out to be something. It'll be sometimes often these little things that she picked up on straight away that maybe started the whole interaction off on the wrong foot because she started noticing, noticing those. She, she's like, mm, I'm not sure this is the guy for me, you know, and then the conversation isn't as good and so on. So like grooming and all of this seems to be, well, it's, it's getting better over time because we're getting a lot of marketing about it. But do you think a lot of guys need to work on that area? Yeah, totally. I have girls who uh, told me that the guy wore like the wrong shoes on a date and that's therefore she won't date him again. Like, I'm like, what's wrong with him? He's like, nothing. I like his personality. I just don't like his shoes. And I'm like, really? That's it? Yeah, it's these it's funny little things. I've heard one about the wrong type of socks before as well. Yeah, yeah, like white socks with like leather shoes. Right. And you know, from a girl's perspective, I realized that they come up with these elaborate stories about the guy if he wears a certain shoe or whatever. And I'm like, why do you do that? But uh, and I realized later on. That's a good point. Girls will build a whole story about a guy. Yeah, totally. I mean, we all do this to an extent, but if it's a guy she's interested in because yeah. she notices him, then she'll build up all this story about him, even but she hasn't spoken a word to him. She doesn't know anything about him yet. And that will often influence how the interaction starts to go and what kind of direction it goes. You know, it could be a positive direction or a negative direction. So obviously it's a lot better if it's going to go in a positive direction for you. Totally. Girls are expert storytellers. They, oh, he has uh, dirty fingernails. That must mean that <laughs> he must have been digging a grave last night, you know, trying to find a body. It's crazy. Imagine, you don't know what she's thinking. <laughs> a guy who's clean cut in all areas is the sum of the, the parts is, tells a bigger story. In other words, like a guy who has all everything properly aligned, that guy has a different story than a guy who has like some things aligned versus a guy who has none of the things aligned. If you think about it, a guy who has the wrong shoes, wrong socks, has dirty fingernails, doesn't know how to style his hair. That guy's story is different than a guy who has taken care of, like properly styled haircut, properly groomed facial hair, the right shoes, the right socks, fitted clothes. Those two guys have very different stories. To a girl, she's looking at your social narrative. She's looking at what kind of lifestyle, unconsciously at least, what kind of lifestyle am I getting into if I date this person? And the guy who is clean cut on all areas, his story is so different than a guy who has some of the things right. And so in this case, as with the modeling industry, the top 10% makes more, 10 times more than the 90% of the models. And so you really have to have this down. And you know, it's not that hard to be clean cut. Have a good hairstylist, shave properly, and moisturize your skin properly so you have good skin. And little things like that don't take that much time when they add up. They make a big difference. The margin is small, but the difference of the margin is significant. So it's an easy fix. Clean cut and then congruence has to do with uh, how you feel when you're clothed. And so someone who doesn't wear a suit that often, you put them in a suit, they might feel uncomfortable. And so you have to feel comfortable in your clothes. And the way you put your jacket on, the way you take it off. A lot of times on the runway, a designer might ask a model to, hey, listen, these are my glasses. I want you to show off this particular piece. So then you want to take the glasses off like you've been wearing for the last six weeks or so. It's just your comfort level with your clothes and your ability to be congruent with the image that you're portraying. If you're new, sometimes this takes a little bit more time. But over time, as you start practicing or start wearing, start picking out the clothes that represent the new image, you will become more congruent with it over time. And so... This is something that you're going to build up as you develop your skills. You can actually feel that when you start wearing something new, you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. So that's the way it's reflected. Are you feeling comfortable in these new clothes yet? Or do you feel... Sometimes the clothes make the man or the woman. Like the suit might make you feel more, not accepted, but almost more like on point with your game. So it's like when you're in a suit at an interview, you might just feel like you're just more on top of your game. 
your clothes make you feel a certain way. They did a study of tribal wars. People who wore tribal masks killed a lot more people when they went into war because the mask took away their personal individual identity and put them in a group identity. So if you are wearing like a team jersey, you might feel more of as part of a team. And so when you're Sometimes the clothes make the man, and so be aware of that too. Like the more you wear, maybe a more classy, preppy look, the more you might start behaving that way too. It certainly can help. It's there again. Like if you're looking in the mirror and that's what you're seeing all the time, then you'll tend to identify with that kind of image. But if you start changing your image, it will help you to kind of shift your perspective of how you see yourself as well. A lot of this is about shifting your perspective. A lot of the guys who get into this don't feel like they're social. They don't feel like they're good with women and all these things. So some of it got to do this work to shift your perspective and your image can certainly help that, right? If you fit the part, if you look more like the guys you've seen in the movies or wherever, then that can help you make you feel that way and feel like you're actually getting moving in that direction. Totally. I'll give you one more and then you can uh, read the website for the rest of all the... I have a long post on Seduce with Style on the eight style attraction switches. So you're happy, you're welcome to. And that's a long post that breaks down all of this stuff. The one more I want to talk about is um, pre-selection. So then asking myself, from game, we know that women respond to guys who have other women. So how do you represent that in your style? And so I started thinking about this pre-selection through style is how do you communicate that you have other women in your life? through the clothes that you wear. I started thinking about this for a while. I think the best way to show pre-selection is to actually have women in your life. But um, in lieu of that, there are things that you can do to uh, represent that. You know how like someone wakes up wakes up, and they style their hair like kind of a bed hairish style way, like you put gel in and then you kind of have the coolest hairstyle, at least at this current moment in time, is like a guy who has pretty cool hair styled back, but it's almost like a girl like ruffled through his hair. Uh, we call it bedhead. And so it seems like a woman was just like playing with his hair. Or you could have, I know Mystery does like lipstick stuff. You can have lipstick on the collar or something. It's a little cheesy, but that's one way to do it. I've had um, a handkerchief. You could tie it like near, around your wrist. And just, oh, I'm keeping this for my girlfriend. Or like, I'm giving this back to my girlfriend later on. And uh, sometimes when you have something a little bit more feminine, whether it's a necklace or a bracelet, you actually get a lot of comments about it, especially if you're an alpha guy. I had a bracelet who had, that had like a heart on it, but it was otherwise like leather, a little bit more tribal. And a lot of girls like, oh, is that your girlfriend's? Or, you know, where did you get that? It's, it's kind of had a heart, but also like it looks very masculine. Like, what is it? I see where you're coming from with this. Because I've noticed over the years, a lot of my ex-girlfriends have given me stuff, whether it's necklaces, bracelets, and stuff like this. And girls are, will often talk about, it seems like they talk about those items more than the other stuff on me. So maybe they see the, this girl influence on some of the bits you're wearing. Is that, is that kind of where you're coming from? Yeah, girls can tell if um, some other girl picked out something for a guy. <laughs> it's very subtle, but they can tell. Now, if you have a good style sense, you can emulate that. In other words, you can pick out feminine stuff. That seems like your girlfriend gave it to you, but actually you picked out yourself. You might be in a pretty cool dress shirt, but you might have like a little bit more of a feminine scarf on. The whole polarity, sexual polarity thing is really interesting too. Guy models who can actually look feminine too, even though they have an alpha build, are much more sought after than just guy models who have one dimension to their look. And so that's another aspect of it too. But it's interesting to have a guy who's like pretty well dressed, but then he has certain items that seems like he has women in his life or women pick that out for him. And sometimes it is something that you might have a female friend who went shopping with you that picked out for you, that she picked out for you. And uh, that might be the case. So, Right. 
So these bits are quite subtle. We're talking about some quite subtle aspects, I think more relevant for more of the advanced guys. For some of the beginning guys, we just really need to get started and, and start changing some aspects of the image and improving on it. And it's really something I think the guys really need to get started with because it's what we call an easy win. It's something that will make a big impact. Like if you go up to a girl and you start talking to her in a club, the easiest thing to do is have worked a little bit on your style and image and fixed any of the issues you had with that where it wasn't cool for whatever reason. And that's gonna make all the difference to when you go and talk with her, rather than having putting all your effort into what you're gonna say, but you're still projecting this first impression, which is a sabotage that. So it's an area I'd love guys to get this attitude where they're gonna work on it more. And I think one of the other barriers is money. They think it's gonna cost a lot of money. Is that something you've heard from your clients or that you think, is it necessary to spend a lot of money or can we get away with just spending a little bit of money on this? And it's a little bit of money goes a long way in this, or is it really something we have to spend? I know in your book you say $500 is a good budget, but do you need that? And Because some guys, maybe that'll be a bit out of their limit. Yeah, fair question. I would think about it like this. You want to spend money based on dollar per stop point. <laughs> so, and your stop point is measured by your response rate from the girls that you really want to date. So I think of it like that. A sense of style is not directly correlated with how much money you spend. Up at even celebrities who thrift stores who have amazing style. So the lack of money that you spend will have to be complemented with your style sense. And so in the beginning, you may not have a lot of style sense. And that's why getting a coach helps. Or you can use money to leverage that. But you don't want to use too much money. You don't want to become a brand whore because that's like the opposite. That's like having a girl who has too much plastic surgery. It's not good. So... I would say think of it like, yeah, you need some money. 500 is a good starting point. You might be able to get away with less, but honestly, keep in mind, these clothes might last you five, six years, maybe more. So you're making an investment, much like buying furniture. This stuff will last you a long time if you take care of it. You do need some money to start with, but don't go for the brands that are way too expensive. You can get pretty reasonably priced stuff at Zara's. Have you got a recommendation? If a guy was going to start and he's going to buy three pieces of clothing, yeah. what would you say he should start with that could make the biggest impact? It depends on his occupation, his goal of the girl that he wants and the city that he lives in. So it really depends. There's a lot of cultural and the local adaptation. But I would say every guy should have a pair of jeans that is well-fitted and is somewhat stylish that stands out a little bit. Not too much, like not with like crazy designs and stuff, but... Something that's a little bit more, stand out, like it stands out, like that's a cool pair of jeans. And you don't need to have a lot of money to do this. You can find really cool jeans online. You can find them at thrift stores. If you want to pay for them, BK has really cool jeans, like really soft um, jeans. And uh, Icon also, I don't know if they're still around. Icon is like a boutique brand that has a, carries a bunch of other brands. Buckle. Buckle has a lot of cool jeans too. They're a little bit more expensive, but you can if you find the Buckle... The ones they produce themselves, they're usually a little bit cheaper, about a hundred dollars, one hundred fifty, and they're really good jeans that really stand out. That's a, that's like a standard price for jeans these days. Yeah, your jeans will probably cost you a hundred to one hundred fifty, unless you can find a, a one that matches your size in a secondhand store. In which case, a lot of times they do. If you have the time, go to Ross's or something and just like search. That's what women do. They spend all their day looking for stuff, and sometimes you'll find like really cool stuff for not that much money, but you just have to, you're trading your money for time. A lot of my clients in the Valley have so much money, they don't have time. So for me, it's like come up with a budget and I will spend a day shopping with you. I think jeans illustrate the subtlety of what you're talking about here because 
I think a lot of people might look at jeans and say, well, they're just jeans. They all look pretty much the same. It's the small differences in the quality of jeans and in the style, which people do notice and people pick up on. In Bangkok, when I was living in Bangkok, the local ties would tell you a girl is a hooker or not based on her jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Once someone had pointed out to me, I could see that totally as well. And it was, where are they getting their cheaper jeans and whatever. So we don't, we don't think about jeans, but I'm like, you can make, that's just an extreme example of someone who's associating a whole category of society, uh, linking them up to that. But I think that happens a lot in the West on a much smaller scale, even though the differences between jeans, we don't think it's a big deal. It's a good illustrative point of how subtle this can be. Totally. So the hookers have a hole in their, <laughs> between their legs? No, there's no holes or anything. They're just yeah, a okay. different class of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Easy access. There you go. Me personally, I like suit and tie. I like having a, a white collared shirt and a black skinny tie just because it matches with so many things. You can match it with dress pants. You can match it with dark jeans. And it just gives you a more like elite prep schoolish look that, that can be, doesn't, you don't have to wear it every day, but on Sunday morning at church or at a more formal event just gives you a little bit more versatility. I think skinny ties are underrated. I think they make you look a lot cooler than people that may have like standard ties. It's just more fashionable. And, and a fitted collared shirt, you can always wrap up the sleeves if it's warm and uh, it gives you a little bit more versatility. I'm thinking a leather bracelet costs like 10 bucks. It adds more dominance to your look. That's an easy 10 bucks. And definitely a nice pair of shoes. You want to have like a comfortable pair that you can wear that's a little bit more cool, like Converse-ish or just like something you can wear to the beach in San Diego. But on the other hand, you also want to have a pair of shoes that are like leather, black, and can match your other clothes, whether it be a more classy or jeans. And when you go out for when you go out and stuff, those, those, those that pair of shoes will get you a lot of compliments for sure. If you pick yeah, them. yeah. And then that's another illustration. I guess a lot of guys don't think that anyone looks at their shoes, but... Girls do. When I first started meeting girls in the street, when I was approaching girls in, in the street and uh, it's kind of daytime pickup. Back in 2002, I always wondered when you went up and you started talking to a girl, she would, as soon as she got interested, she would look you up and down all the way to the bottom. And I felt like she hovered on the shoes. <laughs> I was always like really interested in that at first. I was like, that's really interesting because it was back in those exploratory girls. And I was like, why is that going on? You know, and then you, you realize it's just like picking up on the details. And then you also think like, well, a guy, if you think about it, the last detail he takes care of is his shoes. Right. He'll wear some old shoes that are two, three years old and they're battered and he doesn't think it's a big deal. So it's the easiest way for a girl to figure out who you are. And if you're looking after yourself, because she'll just look at the shoes and she'll be like, okay, he's still wearing some battered shoes, so he hasn't got his life together kind of thing. Girls are so good at looking past you to, to into your life story because their evolutionary circuits are designed that way. Because if they pick the wrong guy and she has the wrong story, she's pretty much screwed. <laughs> so no pun intended. They're just so good at the details. And I think this is instinctive too. And again, some girls are not, but overall in general, they pay a lot more attention to this stuff. And so we have to have it down. I think you can fake it, but ultimately it's just better to have a congruent look. So you don't have to fake it at all. So it's just part of who you are. And there are no cracks in the mirror. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for this discussion. We ask everyone who comes on the show that this question. So I'm going to run it by you now. What are your top three recommendations? This doesn't have to do with style or anything. Just your top three recommendations. Too many want to get a better dating, sex, and relationships lifestyle as fast as possible. What would you say to them? Yeah, I uh, listened to your other podcast, so I have this ready. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I would say if you have the resources, get professional photographs of you done. You can find aspiring photographers that would do this for free. 
or for very little money, like $50 an hour. And just have a good setting, have a location, have a makeup artist. That's all you need. A makeup artist, a photographer, and a location. Take those pictures. Take really professional pictures and then take more cool like rock stars pictures. Those pictures will last you the next five to 10 years. And you can use it for your Facebook profile. You can use it for your LinkedIn profile. You can use it for your dating profiles. It will just add so much value. The money that you spend, the ROI that you get pays for it in full and more. So do that. It's not that hard to set it up. Most people just don't take the time to be able to do that. But really having studio level photos is going to really help your image, whether it be a professional or social. We found people that rated um, other people's attractiveness when they had a red background had a higher rating on average. And so for some reason, people respond to red in the background. So maybe think about that in your photo shoot. Where is that a study or where did you get that from? That's interesting. Yeah, there's a book called Survival of the Prettiest by Nancy Petikoff that uh, talks about, they do these experiments yeah. where they have faces of people and then they rate them, but then they change up a certain thing. For example, they had higher ratings for individuals who had a different color for their eyes versus their hair. So like one thing you could do is just like dye your hair a different color if you have the same eye and hair color. And they were trying to theorize why this might be the case and maybe it has to do with genetics, like more genetic variety if you have different color hair and eyes. And so therefore... Uh, high immunity to diseases. But anyway, they did a study across the board and they found that the same face with a different eye color, hair color, had a higher rating for attractiveness from the opposite sex. What was my other piece of advice? If you don't have the money now, that's fine. Keep your money. There's a whole ebook of Science of Beauty that, I, that actually goes into all these experiments that I wrote. And you get that as part, if you purchase the Seduce with Style ebook, that PDF is free where I actually go into all these studies of like what makes people perceive beauty and the scientific studies that went along with that. So to me, that was like an academic paper that I wrote, but then I realized I didn't fit into the book. And so it became a separate PDF. Yeah, if you don't have the budget for it, just start being aware of your image. Just your awareness itself is going to help you plant the seed for changing your look later on. Uh, How do I come across other people? How do I stand out or not stand out um, when I'm with my office coworkers or my peers? When I look in the mirror, what do I see? But what other people look at me, what do they see? Just this awareness itself is going to help you. A lot of women window shop. If you have the time on the weekends while you're doing pickup at the mall, just like do some window shopping too. Take a look at some of the uh, designer stores and see what you like and what you don't like and check out what other people are buying. Just being aware, like being at the mall, being at a place where you can buy clothing items, that gives you more awareness. And as you become more literate in this language, you will eventually develop the skill set to speak it and eventually to master it as well. And it's going to give you a lot of versatility in whatever it is that you do. It's not going to make you more money per se, but everything that you do will be smoother, more eloquent, faster, and less resistance. So that's ultimately what you want to achieve with your style. That language metaphor is quite nice. As you basically learn the detail of a language, you become more expressive. When you're a baby, you can't say much at all, but as you get older, you get a lot more expressive. It fits very well because when you start thinking about clothes, it's very basic, like uh, get some jeans, get a t-shirt, and then you get a lot more detailed and and expressive as you learn more about this stuff. Thanks for those uh, tips, man. Great and very original. You know, we haven't had anything like those before, so that was good. So Vince, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. It's been great to have you here and uh, hear your ideas. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Always a pleasure. And uh, talk to you in a few months. I can tell you uh, how to pick up models. I'm trying to figure that out right now. So. <laughs> yeah, great. Interesting. Yeah, that would be cool. We'll have another discussion. Sounds good. Dude. All right. 
take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait, do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at datingskillsreview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.